Ladies and gentlemen, if you like the Smug Film Podcast, do yourself a favor and head over to patreon.com slash smugfilm, where we've got a bunch of great rewards if you donate to the show. For just $1 a month, you'll get a bonus mini episode of the show every Monday in your inbox, as well as access to all past mini episodes. These episodes will never be available on iTunes or smugfilm.com or anywhere else. The only way to hear them is by donating $1 a month through patreon.com slash smugfilm. For $5 a month, you'll get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on one episode a month. Whether you want us to plug your website, your movie, your small business, your Twitter handle, whatever it is, we'll plug it. For $10 a month, you get the bonus episodes, plus we'll do a 30-second plug of whatever you want on every single episode of the show. That's four episodes a month. It's an incredible deal. So once again, that URL is patreon.com slash smugfilm. Head on over there today, and we look forward to your kind donation. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Smug Film Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Clark. With me today is John D'Amico. John D'Amico. John D'Amico. No John D'Amico today. And Jenna Ipcar. Hey. Yeah, John D'Amico's uh, a little under the weather. His, his immune system went and caught some sort of bug or something that was going around. Who knows? But he ain't here because he's uh, doubled over, I guess, or uh, coughing or sneezing or... Uh, I'm assuming both ends. Feverish both ends? You're, you're, <laughs> you're going on... You're betting on both ends? One on the pot... One in the trash can. <laughs> Is that like two in the pink, one in the stink kind of like oh, a but, phrase? But but outward, coming out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one in the pot, one in the trash can. I like that. And uh, yeah, we hope John D'Amico feels better soon. We, we don't know what, what his ailment is per se. We assume the worst. <laughs> we Well, let's just assume he's gone. Let's, let's just <laughs> assume that's the end of him and, and he passed away. And let's have a moment of silence for John D'Amico. And back to the show. We're going to talk just about movies we've seen lately because we had something planned out with John and, well, we're just going to have to do it another time then. And so we need a backup. And so we're going to talk about movies we've seen because that seems to be the, the standard backup because that, that's an endless topic. That's a ceaseless, uh, you know, thing that can be explored. Yes. Yeah, we, we watch a lot of movies. We if do. you guys couldn't tell. And we watch way more movies than we ever talk about, you know, because we try and find, you know, specific topics for certain episodes. And sometimes we watch movies and it doesn't fit into that topic and it gets pushed off to something later or we just never end up talking about it. But now we have an opportunity. We can just talk about stuff we've seen. I, I saw The Hunt recently, the uh, Mads Mikkelsen or Michelson or Mickelson. Mickelson. Mads Mickelson movie from uh, 2012 actually it took me a long time to see this one i i know what it looks like you know like the poster i've seen the poster on my netflix queue i've seen people friends of mine talk about it on the internet say it's mad good for some reason i didn't see this one for a long time and goddamn was it up my alley unbeknownst to me i loved it it's a great movie perfect movie in my book i saw on rotten tomatoes you gave it three and a half I don't yeah. know. I don't know what was wrong with you there. <laughs> that was a fiver. That was a five star movie for me. You I know what? That was perfect. Maybe a four. I think I bring it up to a four. That's fair. 
I love that movie. I saw that in the theaters, actually, though I think it came out a little later in the U.S. Yeah, that's probably true. It's probably maybe two years. Away, I think it was two whatever. years ago. But uh, he's, he's tremendous, and I'd only ever seen him, I guess, in Casino Royale. I've been familiar with him because I know he's on that show uh, Hannibal, right? Hannibal was great. I hear that's good. I want to kind of check that out now because, like, boys got chops. He's the he's really what holds up Hannibal. Yeah, I, I mean that's that makes sense because otherwise it, it goes to some cliches. It's but it's still fun. But he's vicious. He's good. You want to watch everything he does. That's interesting because he's so sympathetic in this. And uh, I guess I should say I guess the gist of what it's about it's about a guy who's accused of doing something with like one of his students, and it's just about the the village kind of turning on him. And that's a, that's about all you should know going into it, I think. Any of the other intricacies you should just pick up on when you're actually watching the story unfold. But man, it's like a really good depiction of what can go wrong when there are accusations against somebody and how if it's not handled right initially, it can just spiral. It's like a game of telephone, basically, where like you not if you don't handle it right, right at the outset, then people just assume certain things that aren't true as like givens and they're not like sourcing it back to like where it actually came from. I love how honest the portrayal of children is in this movie. Yeah. You know, they, she shows children for what they really are, which is really, you know, a cipher for your parents insecurities and yeah, problems. Dude. And it's like, it's like the white ribbon in that regard. I felt yeah. it would be a great, like kill myself double feature with the white ribbon. Like, cause you, Oh jeez, <laughs> Yeah. Christ. It's just like, you just lose all faith in humanity. <laughs> and if you want to, if you want to triple up on that, watch Eden Lake too, the horror movie. Holy shit. You'll just never want kids and you'll just go around killing other people's <laughs> kids. Cause you just, you'll be convinced that they're all demons. Well, that's what, that was another thing I loved about that movie. The hunt was that, um, that it totally challenges us. The idea that children are inherently good, right? You know, it's not saying that children are evil. It's but it's it's so realistic. That's the that's the the fourth thing I loved about that movie is I love how there are no bullshit twists and turns. Mm-hmm. It was really really straightforward. Oh my god, yeah. And it still made you gasp, and it still kept the momentum, and it was so well done, so oh, yeah. interesting. And fucking every step of the way, totally like you said, totally plausible. But also, you see how things get twisted, right? Like as they happen, and so Mads Mikkelsen's fantastic and it it feels to me like uh what i wanted out of kindergarten cop 2 when i found that dolph lundgren was going to be the kindergarten cop 2 like they, they have a similar vibe in like some strange way that will only make sense to me uh mads and dolph and like i just like the idea of like a, a guy you know who's a kindergarten teacher who you, who you wouldn't assume would be a kindergarten teacher and like for me this is kindergarten cop 2 you know he's not a cop but it involves there's cops in it, and it's a guy who's ki- teaching kindergarten, and you would you wouldn't think it. So that's good enough for me. It's like a sequel to Kindergarten Cop. But he's a perfect kindergarten teacher in this. He's super. He's because he is. He's too good looking to be one, but because he's in that small town, yeah, you, he doesn't you know anyone. Yeah. You totally buy it, and and the fact that he's so good looking is also kind of like it. It it creates more of a distance between him and everyone else. And they even explain it as like, all right, well, he taught at a better school and then that school closed down. So now he's stuck teaching kindergarten. You totally buy it. And it's great. And it's by uh, Thomas Vinterberg, who is such a fucking like hit or miss record as far as movies. Like some of his movies are fucking unwatchable. There's that one. It felt like love. 
I mean, no, not not it felt like love. It's all about love. It felt like love is a great movie, completely unrelated. It's all about love is the Vinterberg one with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. It's like one of the worst movies you'll ever see in your life. And Dear Wendy is really horrible, too. I yeah. didn't like Maddening Crowd. Yeah, Maddening Crowd, I, I wasn't into. Some people like that. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he's mad, hit or miss. And then he comes out with The Hunt and it's a fucking masterpiece. It's it, like, it is shockingly. It's really, it's so layered. It's so realistic. It's so honest. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Way up my alley. Dug it tremendously. So I highly recommend it. If you're out there and you you are like me and have not seen it yet. What, what have uh, you seen, Jenna? You know what's funny? I watched The Birdcage for the first time recently. Ah, the Birdcage. You know why? I, I had always wanted to see it. When it came out, I wanted to see it very specifically because I loved Robin Williams and Nathan Lane, but strictly because I loved Aladdin and the Lion King. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean... I was a child. We're basically the same age, and I could totally relate to that. Yeah, and then, but my mother wouldn't let me see it because it was R-rated. That's weird that it's R-rated. I so, kind of, I like yeah. remember it as like a PG-13 comedy, I guess. I don't know why. I honestly, at this point, would say it's just PG. Really? Like, it's really strange. So that's that's basically like, I really like the movie, actually. I thought it was really well done. I'm talking about the, you know, the, the ones from the 90s, which is uh, Mike Nichols directed and Elaine May uh, wrote it. Yeah, and, it was based on like a, a French one, La Cage Faux or yeah. whatever. I guess a couple years before. But, but this, yeah, this was the American one. To watch it for the first time, especially in 2016, I think I'm watching a different movie than what everyone watched in the 90s. Mm. <laughs> but it's not a bad movie. It's just really different because I think all of the 90s camp kind of melts away. And all you really have in 2016 is like a really genuinely sweet love story mm. about two dads just trying to help their son out and then being up against this like shithead conservative uh, senator who's Gene Hackman, who was also perfect. Mm. I miss him. Gene, come on. I know you listen to the show. Get back out there. <laughs> well, yeah, but you, I mean, we have we have it confirmed that he's uh, one of our biggest listeners. Yep. Yep. Gene Hackman. <laughs> yes. But, you know, and that's the other thing that was funny was like, you know, this sort of idea that Gene Hackman was, you know, his partner trying to get passing this like, you know, keep a marriage straight bill. Mm. His partner gets busted with an underage black prostitute, which is, of course, like the triple threat for like conservative senators from the South. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, you know, of course, is always relevant <laughs> in <laughs> politics. But then like, you know, the the idea, I mean, number one, it was really weird that Nathan Lane and, and Robin Williams, they like I don't even think they kiss. If they do, it's this sort of even off mouth. It's like close, but not really. Right. There's really no embracing. There's a bit of hand holding. And then, but they definitely, they do such a great job of selling their love for each other. But you do feel this glaring omission of like any physical contact, hmm. which also in 2016 just kind of feels like, well, like, you know, what's what's the problem, guys? You know, well, like, it's like we, we live in a post beyond the candelabra world. <laughs> Oh, Where God. like <laughs> that's the bar beyond the candle. Well, what I mean is like I mean that was like them really going at it, not literally going, not actual penetration, but um, <laughs> it, it's like a it's like a point of pride thing. It's like a post Brokeback Mountain, I guess would be the better uh, term where they really go into it. Like it was this was a time period where like if you were if you were portraying somebody who's gay, you would like close mouth kiss somebody, and that would be as much as you would 
do, you know? Yeah, you get the sense that like they really just couldn't get away with it in the 90s more than anything. Yeah. And but it is interesting that they really hammer home this sort of idea that these are just two loving parents. And they do a great job at that, which I think was probably in the 90s very beneficial. Mm. <laughs> but it it it's just interesting. It you know what what ends up really becoming the butt of the joke, which I feel like a 90s audience would think guy in drag is really haha how funny or there's all those scenes of Nathan Lane essentially trying to to like toughen up and and be act more straight for uh you know the impending visit from the senator who's uh you know if you guys haven't seen this movie from you know a very popular film uh it's these two fathers have a son who wants to marry a uh, a girl whose parents are con- super conservative essentially so they're coming to go to visit but she hasn't told her parents that uh you know her fiance's parents are two gay men right and so nathan lane is like you know sitting there trying and he's like super effeminate and you know like very very like soft and and sweet and he's like the star drag queen whereas robin williams is the guy who owns the club the birdcage where it's a total drag show club but you know all these scenes of nathan lane kind of like you know trying to hold his pinky in as he drinks or like you know lower his voice or something it's amusing but it's not like it's not really side splitting laugh out loud. It whereas like the the conservative senator and how he interacts and how he sort of gets embarrassed is actually a lot funnier. <laughs> so Gene Hackman's the funniest thing on it. He basically. kind of is. And I don't know and I I'm curious, maybe whoever's watched this movie in the nineties, uh rewatch it now and then call our voicemail and let me know if that was always the funniest part or if like it was really more about Nathan Lane because I got the sense that the movie was trying to drive home that like Nathan Lane's the funniest part hmm. or that Hank Azaria who plays like their maid boy uh maid he, boy <laughs> yeah he walks around like with only little short shorts on and he That's like awesome. sings it's great no it's really well acted really funny and amusing but in 2016 just kind of a beautiful love story <laughs> right on I saw Zootopia recently have you seen zootopia i liked zootopia you seen it you like it you know what i gotta say considering we shit on like you know cgi movies so much on this show that's true (laughs) that was like a four-star movie for me i thought it was okay it was like a two and a half or but uh there were things i really dug in it like there's this one sequence the whole the whole like scam sequence with the uh the popsicles i really dug I thought that was like hilarious. That was just to watching that unfold. I thought was like the best part of the entire film. And then there's like this stupid stuff with like the yoga guy. Like it got really samey with like, all right, they have to go talk to somebody. And then it's just like, oh, it's supposed to be a comedic sequence where they talk to some guy who's like the Godfather, or some guy who's like a right. hippie, and it's like it got real samey and boring in like a very like DreamWorks shitty way. Like it felt way more DreamWorks than it felt Disney to me in general. It definitely was really different for Disney, but I, but I I don't know. I I really liked how, um, it had a great message, (laughs) you know, I liked the plot twists, you know, and I like that it was, it was, um, you know, just, it was genuinely funny. It was, you know, great voice acting, you know, that was pretty consistent. Bateman was fantastic in particular. Oh yeah. He was, he really like, he, he embodied that character, like with like just so much like pathos. Is that how you say it? pathos i think it's pathos pathos ah that's what it was yeah pathos yeah it was full of pathos <laughs> to the brim with pace pathos pesos pesos he was rich with pesos <laughs> yeah i like how that movie sticks to its guns 
You know, it doesn't back down. It makes it, it kind of beats you over the head with its message, but it, uh, you know, it's a great message. It's like a universal, you know, thing that it needs to be said right now too. Well, I didn't think that the allegory made sense when they like stuck that in like two thirds of the way. They, the whole thing with like the discrimination thing, it didn't actually make much sense as an allegory because it was like, all right, well, these are these like, uh, for those of you at home, I guess basically, how do we explain this? It's like race relations. It basically it's race says, relations, but it's like it makes sense why people would be apprehensive of these uh, animals, whereas it doesn't make sense that people would be apprehensive of like actual minorities or black people, etc. So it doesn't it doesn't fully make sense. Yeah, I see that. Well, I mean, well, because, yeah, what it is, is carnivores versus like herbivores, right? Yeah, basically. And, and so and the, the black people of the film are the carnivores and like they're cool now, but like they still they like they're they're descended from like evil carnivores, and it, that that doesn't line up with like actual black people. So it's a weird <laughs> allegory to make. I guess that what they're probably going for though is like that you know these sort of ideas that there are more black people in jail. So they're like you know and that I there, there definitely is you know a stereotype of black people being more violent, which really is baseless. But, but in this one, it's like it's real. <laughs> so like it, it yeah. falls like the discrimination has like it's like yeah the discrimination is bad but the discrimination actually has a reason in the film i felt like the movie though made at least it kind of put them in this super evolved state so like that idea that the carnivores were ever bad is like hundreds of years ago it felt more like they were talking about ancient egyptians or something, you know what I but mean? But they were actually doing the crimes. Well, but then they, but they had problems. They were, there was a twist. Yeah, there's like conspiracy theory stuff that happens uh, as the film goes on, and like you find out, like the, you know. I mean, I see what you're saying, but I, you know, it's it, just a, I felt like I would have liked it better if it if I wasn't sitting there scratching my head trying to like relate it back to real life and realizing that it doesn't actually make sense. I'd say that, you know, carnivores in general are, even though you're a vegan and this is maybe yeah. why you don't get it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they still deserve to live. And just cause they're eating other little guys. I, I hey, hey don't put it in my hey mouth man. that I said carnivores <laughs> don't deserve to live. I think carnivores should live. That's, that's my motto. But, um, yeah, I just, I, and also like it just didn't, like the the animation I thought wasn't great. Like the, the actual like um and when I say animation I'm not talking like, oh it didn't look great. It looks fine, you know, it looks it looks fine. But I meant the actual like um movement of certain characters like and, and things, etc. Like I remember there's this part where like she gets shoved and she's like sitting in a chair and like she's really tiny and the guy pushing her is really big and like he pushes her and the chair and her both move to the side which doesn't actually make sense like physically like she would just get pushed off the chair like if he's pushing her really hard she falls off the chair because she's lighter than a chair. like it was like a <laughs> physics thing that didn't make sense and it would have been just as funny if like like it was done as it would actually happen if she just flew off the chair and maybe the chair moved slightly you understand what I mean? Like it's simple things like that where like you see it and it doesn't make s compute in your brain but you don't really register it and then you you're like, oh, shit, like that doesn't make sense, like in retrospect. And then you realize there are certain animation things throughout where it just kind of doesn't make sense. Like it, if you want to do like a cartoonish thing about it, have like her head move and then her body or have like, you know what I mean? Like her head moves all the way aside, like a stretchy, like kind of Looney Tunes type thing or whatever. But having the chair move too, 
It just uh, there was no angle where that would occur, and it wouldn't physically. Are you with me on this? I cannot even picture this. Oh, you're I, talking about. Though, I thought about this more than. <laughs> 90 percent of the movie, I was thinking about this one goddamn animation choice. I mean, I I would say, you know, I'm usually I'm usually with you on that kind of stuff. Like, I the the weight of CGI is just yeah. always wrong, and it always makes me angry. Well, that was the thing. It was like it totally but, ruined the weight for me. But I would say that for this one, I was actually I thought that they did a pretty okay job at that for the most part, and I was actually very impressed with the lighting. Yeah, the lighting was great. It I, was probably the best since Ratatouille. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Absolutely. And also the, they played with scale really well, where like yeah. parts of the town were tiny if tiny animals lived in it. So like you'd be running away or something and then like, you're, oh, shit, I ran into small town. And right. now you're really big compared to buildings where like just like a second ago, you were really small compared to buildings. I love that. That reminded me of like in Super Mario 64, where like uh, there's that big small level. Or like on one side, like the, the plate of the place, like you're big, and then the other side you're small. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Yeah, that was a really good level. It reminded me of that man. It was called like Big Little Land or Little Big Land or something. And there was like three paintings, right? And like you go into the tiny painting and you're big, and you go in the big painting and you're small. Remember that? You know what? Actually, that that scene with the donut, yeah. I thought that was, I was kind of upset by that because I was like, this is like 9-11 for these hamsters. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, that was... <laughs> and they just kind of brushed that scene traumatic off. Traumatic event, for sure. <laughs> but, but yeah, it wasn't It wasn't terrible. I just, uh, I don't know. It's another it, movie when you look at the sketches, though, you're like, why didn't you just animate it in that style? Well, it's so much better than the CGI. That's the case with all of them these it's days. So it's so disappointing. so sad. It, but it I, really I did is like, tragic. You I look like at Zootopia. The, we've said before on the show, but you look at like the concept art, for like any any of these goddamn movies, it doesn't matter if it's like Despicable Me Five or Ice Age Twenty Eight. Like you look at the fucking concept art and what they were thinking about doing, and it's like if you had just done that, it would have been like fucking groundbreaking and amazing. If you want your mind blown, look at the concept art for Tangled. Oh yeah, it is breathtakingly beautiful. Shit balls. It's actually, like you should Google it. Like it's I will. actually crazy. And and then you're like, and then you see Tangled, which you know what Tangled wasn't bad. I kind of like Tangled. It was had better music than they've had in a while, even though there was no good showstopper song in it for me. I think that was its biggest fault. Mm. I like Tangled, but the the concept art was like, holy crap! Like, <laughs> I got why wasn't out. this movie yeah. made? Like, ugh. especially when we have, you know, it's like people don't have to hand paint these things anymore. You know, like there's a lot of Photoshop shortcuts that make something that would have taken you days and hours and hours you know, a half day or like, you know, at least way less, like cutting down the hours, like, you know, completely. Absolutely. And yet they still insist on CGI, which just takes as long as normal animation, if not longer. So <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. These movies, it. I mean, it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that they spend like three or four years on each one of these fucking things. Oh yeah. And like sometimes the, the people that record the voices, they do it like maybe four years ago. And by the time it actually comes out, they can barely <laughs> remember you know what they did in it and they have to then promote it and right. it's like oh shit <laughs> like they're they're finally seeing like their voice put the animation like that that long after it's crazy all right we're gonna take a quick break here and uh we'll be right back with a voicemail actually we got one of those so uh see you soon and now smug film presents robot reenactments what's he doing go back there man he wants to kill me so bad he can taste it. Huh? Attica. 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 
Aduka, 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 Aduka. Remember Aduka? This has been a robot reenactment. Now, back to the show. Hello, Smug Film fans. Leave us a question or a comment for Smug Film to play on the show by calling the following voicemail number 718 395 9711. Once again, that's 718 395 9711. We look forward to hearing from you, you lovely, lovely people. And we are back. Let's listen to a voicemail. Hi, it's uh, Jenna's friend Vern again. I'm calling to rant for a second. I'm not ranting. I'm just calling again for a second time, leaving another voicemail, and now knowing that you have the angry British woman still. Uh, so, again, another double feature at the Castro, and this time uh, sort of dovetailing on what someone said at, after my voicemail last time. Someone had made the comment that you see these movies on the big screen, movies that you're used to seeing on small screens that you've never seen on big screens. You see them in this theatrical way, and you just notice stuff because you can see more detail. Uh, Last night was a double feature of The Graduate and Risky Business, which eh, was fine. (laughs) I'm not the biggest Tom Cruise fan. He just doesn't win me over. Uh, But The Graduate has been one of my favorite movies for a while, And again, it's another one of these things where I'm like, how did I never notice this? And I'm watching this movie that I've seen a million times and that I just love. I know backwards and forwards. And I never, ever noticed that it, they do, it's like a world of weird noises. And it's clearly on purpose. When you have a theme song, that's the sound of silence. You know, this must be on purpose. You're clearly playing with noise. And there's always... TV's going, radios come on the minute people are in a room together and it's quiet. There's these moments of silence that are always, you know, it's like him and Elaine kind of have some of the few moments of silence and him on his own sort of has moments of silence, but there's also all these gurgling noises. There's the fish tank, there's the scene where he's underwater and the scuba gear and just this like very visceral gurgling noise and then these whirring sounds. You know, it's like this this sort of heady over overarching static noise along with several airplanes most notably when he and Mrs. Robinson when he drives her home uh, an airplane goes overhead and I feel like it must have been on purpose because you can still hear what they're saying it's not like it washes everything out there's a couple of moments where these airplanes go overhead and they make this you know this kind of weird overarching electrical noise and then the other half it is this very very visceral gurgling sound you know like water running through pipes or, or your stomach, like, you know, water running through your intestines, that kind of like very, very almost uncomfortable noise. And I was just stunned that I had never picked up on this. And it's just a brilliant movie. It's like, you know, I'm not about to uh, change anyone's mind on that. You know, no one's really arguing with me on that. But there are just all these little things that I had never noticed that I had never picked up on. And that specifically... And also, I, you know, I just love Dustin Hoffman. Uh, we need to talk about how absolutely adorable he is. I know Jenna's more of a Pacino fan, but you know, give me a young, nervous Jewish boy with that physique, and I'm perfectly happy. And Anne Bancroft, of course, is a queen, and I love her. Uh, and every single time I see the movie, their relationship is un- 
it's it's amazing how real it feels, how much chemistry they have. And it's just funny that they're both like third choice or something like that. But beyond that, again, just stunned, stunned, stunned that there's all this stuff that is seems crystal clear when you see it. Like it just seems so obvious and just can get missed for so long. But anyway, that's it. I was actually just gonna Jen, I was just gonna leave you a note on Facebook as I do. Uh, and realized I just had way too much to talk to you about when it comes to this movie. So, uh, yeah, I will be listening to hopefully hear you guys expand on this. I liked what you did with my voicemail last time. That was a really good conversation. So thanks, you guys, and I'll talk to you later, Jen. Bye. All right, Vern. Good to hear from Vern. That was a really good observation and really uh, illuminating because I, of course, I've never seen Graduate in theaters. I assume you haven't seen it in theaters, Jenna. I have to think about that. I don't think I have. I've only seen it, you know, like on a DVD, on the TV, like uh, most people of our generation, I assume. And uh, yeah, I did not notice that on the TV at all. And I feel like these kind of things, finding out how something sounds in the theater really keys you into what it must have been like to see it back in the day, which doesn't always get translated in reviews or in whatever else, because it's just like people that are writing it at the time, they just know everybody's going to go and have that experience. So it's not something that people necessarily think to preserve. So I would, I would have never known that about the graduate whatsoever, unless I saw it in the theater. It's like a lost piece of information. Um, I had a similar experience with, uh, the, the Argento film Inferno, which I think I mentioned when we were talking about theater experiences and noticing new things, which is the, the, there's this underwater sequence in Inferno where this woman's swimming around and it's fucking riveting. And the whole movie's riveting in general. Like the sound in it is tremendous. And, you know, people that watch it on DVD, it's like, oh, maybe it's like third favorite, fourth favorite Argento. You know, they love Suspiria. I think Suspiria, the sound in Suspiria translates more on DVD than Inferno does. But man, fucking Inferno in theaters. Holy goddamn shit. The sound design in that movie is just tremendous. And of course, the visuals are great, too. That's my favorite Argento. But again, would not have fucking known. You kind of have to see these things in theaters. People always neglect sound. And sound is so fucking important. I mean, we've talked about it on the show. If you're if you're watching a movie and the sound sucks, you cannot get into it. It's like it's an actual physical impediment, as uh, I think John D'Amico brought up once. It's like you you can't physically get into it. It's physically grating if the sound is bad in the movie. Um, yeah, that'll kill a movie. Yeah, it, it, you just can't get into it whatsoever, and especially in like at home, like sound systems are neglected as far as like i want the biggest tv i want the best fucking flat screen i want the fucking 4k whatever people are always you know spend their time thinking about that but sound system is way fucking important because you can probably have that graduate experience at home if you have the right stuff i will say the graduate i I have noticed the sound in the graduate though you know the the examples that Vern gave us are way more than i even like really thought about but the the sound of water in that movie I've always noticed and I've mm. always liked. But you know it's funny that uh, bringing that up, I feel like it's really it's the sound of suburbia. You know, as as you as you said, Vern, it's like it really is. You know, it, it has to be on purpose. You know, and stuff like whirring. You know, car sounds, planes. You know, my my mom grew up uh, in in a suburb um, that she constantly. That was one thing she even mentioned to me once. It was like she'd always hear these planes taking off from I think JFK or LaGuardia or one of them. 
you know, and, and like you forget, like, yeah, there's a lot of communities that are built around airports, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and they're all suburban communities. And that does become the sound that like you don't notice, you know, and it's funny too, when not to, to put this in a weird turn, but in New York, when after 9-11, they've had planes not fly over uh, New York and, and parts of Brooklyn right. for the longest time. And when, I remember when they started again, because I suddenly was like, what the, is that a plane? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never noticed Me it too. before. And it was really interesting. Whereas like the gurgling in the water in, in The Graduate to me is just sort of uh, represents the passing of time. You know, it's like kind of their their reference to death, in my opinion. It's that sort of the running water, things moving without your being conscious of it, well, it and being unable with, to stop it. It plays with the sense of time too. Yeah, like the flow of water just kind of uh, changes how time flows cinematically. I think. Yeah, I mean, it it both holds you in a stasis of yeah. you know re- re- realizing second by second, and then also realizing that that's that's passing. You know, you're you're losing all of this this water that's moving under you. Yeah, it's like a, seeing physically how. You know, because air, obviously, you can't see air, but it, it gives you something to physically see passage of time. You know, it's like you're it's you're you're able to look at air move, essentially. But I also think that all of the, those sound choices are kind of the comic relief of that movie in a lot of ways. You know, having these sort of these gurgling, whirling, you know, these mundane sounds or like the TV's always on. Like, you know, that's it's what puts you in the suburbia with him. And it's what makes everything funny. Mm. You know, like if he was in a city, it wouldn't be as such a good movie in a way. It's like it, you have to keep him there counting every second, you know, and then you feel it. Then you're like, you feel bad for him. You yeah, know? that's that's one of those movies where uh, the setting really is so intrinsic to the whole thing. You know, you can't you, like you said, you can't place him in a city and it's, and have it be the same movie and get the same things across i like when movies rely so heavily that like all right this has to be the setting you know it, it it's it's locked into the protagonist it's locked into what happens etc it's like it, it just has to be that and a lot of times in movies you sometimes you watch movies and it's like well why did it need to take place in that time period why did it need to play, take place there right etc it's like no this this in this it doesn't feel arbitrary and i'm not even like the biggest graduate fan but credit where credit's due it it really is like this cohesive thing and it's funny too bringing up uh you know Vern brought up the sound of silence you know you can't have a, a movie that has the soundtrack the sound of silence and such a loud whirring bizarre sound movie it's interesting though because that movie I think that song rather was I think a placeholder in the movie yeah and then they were editing and they decided no this is perfect like it just is is perfect in every scene absolutely <laughs> and they used it like what like five times or something so that was kind of interesting too yeah I love that point I was definitely I it, it's funny you made me realize things about the graduate that I had sort of like internalized but didn't really ever speak about mm. And so that, that's, that was really a great observation. And I will just say really quickly that uh, Al Pacino versus Dustin Hoffman, I want everyone to get in on this. Google the two of them when they were young Pacino. and beautiful. I'm, I'm, I'm on Pacino train. They look really similar in a weird way, and I'm on the Pacino train. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think you're going to get much people pulling for the Hoff. I you know think uh, Pacino's way of, better. A lot of girls really? I know are all about the Hoffman because he's softer, but mm. Pacino was sexier. Yeah, but Chino's got that like 
slightly bad boy quality, even though like yeah. young Pacino is like mad meek and like whatever. Well, he has beautiful young Pacino, long young Pacino once called the, uh, the smug film podcast. It'd That's be, right. It'd yeah. be great if he called up again. Him and Gene Hackman. We have a regular, uh, scarecrow yeah. of fans <laughs> listening here, you know? Um, but yeah, the, the thing about planes, man, it, it's funny. Cause like people always talk about planes ruining shots in films and like, Oh fuck a plane. Right. Now we got to shoot it over again. When you think about like life, like, yeah, planes come and go. If you want to depict like actual life, sometimes you're going to need a plane in there. Sometimes you're going to need, you know, honking of horns or a fire alarm or, you know, whatever else things going off in the world. I like when that happens in films because it, it's just like you, you suddenly realize how little it happens in other films. Right. Like, it, it's, it's like such a simple thing to make a film feel more real. It's like uh, including people peeing, <laughs> yeah. except better, <laughs> <laughs> way better. I would say it's a, it's like a it's a more palatable version of <laughs> Paul peeing. Giamatti dropping a deuce at the beginning of Sideways. <laughs> it's a much it's much easier on the ears and the eyes yeah. than that. Yeah, I mean my my movie pick for you know you ha- had to have been seen in theaters and sound completely made the film was Children of Men definitely. Uh, that without like the sound that was the the first movie that I saw in theaters and walked out of and thought like the sound was the best part of that movie and people always go on about the visuals they'll go on all day long about the visuals and probably that will be its legacy is the goddamn visuals but if you weren't there in the theaters hearing the sound you don't know man I think it did win an award though for for the sound mixing but it just it was just totally deserved it man that movie yeah, but it's like I said, it's legacy is going to be yeah, those shots. Shot, yeah. People are always going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that movie with those shots. They're not going to go, oh, yeah, that, that's that movie that won Sound Design Award or whatever and <laughs> yeah. had great sound. Right, because it's coming out of your laptop speakers. Yeah. Or they're watching <laughs> on their fucking TV with just the HD TV speakers, which, by the way, are usually really bad. Yeah. You know, the, usually the speakers on flat screens, not so good. I have distinct remember remembrances. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that 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 phrasing came out of my mouth, but it was I distinct. I have distinct remembrances <laughs> of you know the big old boxy TVs having much better sound because there's more there's more area for like the sound to reverberate oh, from. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like with a flat screen, it's kind of like, it's always has like a slight tinniness. Whereas like man, I fucking remember like getting scared shitless watching horror movies on like a a square TV. You know. Especially because like the components inside, it didn't necessarily always fill the entire space of the TV. So you had those like vents in the back of the TV. Like if you went and like looked at the back where like sound could come out as well. Man, it was like a fucking sound box. It was like a fucking, you know, boom box, kind of like jukebox kind of thing. More like a jukebox, I guess. Like those big old TVs. I was thinking about that actually recently because I had to... I lost, as, <laughs> I won't go into detail, I lost the, the platform that my TV was on, so I put this, like, old wooden little, like, kind of low table, but I was like, I think maybe the wood would help kind of reverberate. Probably. <laughs> well, it's like with your fucking phone. You ever, like, cup your hand right, right. underneath the side of it to hear a video better or whatever? Or if you, if you even, like, if you put it on the surface and just have, like, the surface kind of, like you know, helping the sound get out. Like if you're just holding it and you're not touching the bottom, the sound's shit, but you kind of got to like help it a bit. So what we're saying is everyone needs to watch movies by cupping the speakers on their television. Yeah. Get up real close <laughs> to the TV. 
your left hand on one side, your right hand on the other, and just like cup them. If it's a widescreen, you got to stretch. Yeah. You got to, you know, do a couple of these. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm doing this. uh, (laughs) Everyone can see, right? Everyone's got it. You guys see what I'm doing. Do a couple of (laughs) what I'm doing right now, (laughs) listeners at home, and then then do it, and you should be able to do it. But man, sound is fucking important. It's so goddamn important. I mean, we never saw Close Encounters in theaters. And that's apparently like the loudest movie ever made. You know that about that? Yeah. I think we, we brought that up on this show before. Yeah, but who, who has seen it in theaters? Not us. Not us. Not us. Maybe, maybe I think it's been at BAM, but we didn't go because we didn't know. We don't know <laughs> what we're missing until we, you know, check it out. And maybe that was like a fucking relevatory experience in theaters. We don't know. <laughs> there are a lot of things we don't know. That's what I'm learning in this world. I will say, you know, I know that Vern, not to give away your location and address, but I, she lives in San Francisco where she has the Castro. So if you guys want to go stalk Vern, I'm I think selling she, you out. You did this last time, too. <laughs> you were like, I'm not for nothing, but, uh, <laughs> but I love Castro, Castro, San man. Francisco. Check her out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to stalk her. Yeah. I'm just putting that I want out someone there. to go up to her and be like, hey, I love you on the show. I, you know? Please. You're like, I'm a big fan of you there, Vern. But, you know, and then I'll say this, as I say, every time I remember the Castro, I really wish that we had more of that in New York City. We actually do. They open the Metrograph, if you guys know about that, which is a brand new, beautiful theater. You've in been. The Lower East you've Side. been, right? Yeah. I haven't been. I went. It you was, like it. It was really great. I got to go still. And they're playing all these old movies. They're going through, I think, A to Z right now. Well, they're doing a bunch of the Palmas that I got. Yeah. I think I'm going to go to one of them. This month's the Palma month I wanted to go to Obsession, but then I look and it's like a fucking digital projection i'm Uh, like fuck you guy like all the rest of them are 35 millimeter and i was like way jazzed and i was like all right upset and no just a fucking digital god damn it i uh, wanted to see obsession the 35 millimeter but alas maybe one day yeah maybe one day but i'll go to something there i want i gotta go to something i gotta see what that place is like i think yeah, it's great. I just I love theaters that play movies, these older movies, uh, you know, again, and in, in film. It's so wonderful to, to go see. Probably whoever's listening, you probably have a, a like a city town center that has a, like an old theater with like a Wurlitzer yeah. that does stuff like this. It's so worth it. And you learn about so sound. worth it. You learn I think about that's sound. The, that's the biggest takeaway is you learn about sound. You, you got to see, see these, things you wouldn't notice. You got to see these older movies. You got to hear what they sounded like. You really do. That's what I'm learning. And Vern, thank you for helping me realize this, I guess, because <laughs> I, I always have felt sound is mad important, but uh, I don't know, man. It's just like just hearing that specific thing. It's like I'm, now I'm like racking my brain, like what favorite movies of mine would be like even bigger favorites if I had heard it, you know, right in a theater. You never fucking know. You never know the ones that are going to stand out, even movies that maybe I didn't like. But like if I was keyed into the fucking sound. Maybe that would have taken me over the edge. Who knows? Yeah, we all saw Blade in theaters. And I have to say that in theaters, it was, I probably, had I seen it basically on my computer or, you know, uh, on even my television, I think that I probably wouldn't have liked it as much. And that wasn't even that great sound when we went and saw it. It wasn't. It was a terrible print. No offense to, to, uh, to Bam, but the Blade print, not so great. And the sound wasn't up enough. When I saw Blade, when it fucking came, I saw that like the day after it came out, I think, when I was a kid. And the sound was fucking pumping. And that movie was, it was like the best movie I've ever seen in my life at the time. 
Because you, you sit down, you're watching Blade, you're watching that fucking blood rave. It's fucking pound. Etc. It, you're fucking in it, dude. It, it becomes instantly the best movie you've ever seen. It's, it's that fucking sound, dog. There you go. Yeah. Sound is important, man. That's why we use these wonderful microphones. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really good point. We should talk about that a little bit. Like I, I the, the, the microphones we use are Heil PR40s, which are uh, professional broadcast microphones. I like them a lot. When we have technical difficulties, it's not because of the goddamn microphones. It's because all the other shitty fucking components that I that I get so that I can afford these microphones. You know what I mean? Like, we'll have cables busted. We'll have all sorts of dumb shit going on. But these microphones are fucking workhorses. And we sound great on them. And we sound like ourselves in ways that we don't on cheaper microphones. These are like $350 microphones and it's fucking worth it. And also, like, just the general sound of the podcast. Like, when you listen to the Smugfilm podcast, you're not hearing planes go by. You're not hearing fire trucks or whatever. You're not hearing, like, people in, like, apartments next door or whatever. You're not hearing all that shit where people... We're hearing it, though. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll hear it, but you don't hear it on the fucking recording because we got all sorts of processor stuff going on to help with that. And we we take care of our sound because, like... That stuff's great in a movie. It adds a little ambiance. But when you're listening at home, you don't want to hear like that fucking tinny shit in the background. And on a lot of shitty fucking podcasts, you hear that. And there are a lot of like good podcasts that I can't listen to because the fucking sound is bad. Like I'm a stickler for that shit. That's why I try and make sure the Smug Film podcast sounds really fucking good. And I always get get fucking compliments on it. Like I think people really appreciate it, even if they don't necessarily know you know, what it is, even if they're not necessarily thinking about like, what, what is the quality that's making this podcast sound better than other podcasts? It's just intuitive. You just hear it and you're like, oh yeah, this is mad listenable. Yeah. Listen to our first episode in comparison. If you just want to hear the difference, listen to us now and listen to first episode and sounds like fucking night and day. And the first episode is what most podcasts do sound like, like 90% of podcasts out there kind of sound like that first episode. Um, so donate to our Patreon. Yeah, donate to ba- yeah. Help us <laughs> please. Get better cable. We had a cable bust in while we were recording this episode, and we uh, twisted it around a little bit, and now we're okay. It seems we MacGyvered it. Shit's always fucking breaking, hey, but not these goddamn microphones, and uh, not the not the components to our recording that uh, are important. But man, yeah, we 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 pay special attention to this stuff, and we hope you appreciate it at home. And of course. We should talk about our uh, sponsors. Yes, oh, yeah. Jenna. We should talk about Room Full of Spoons. Room Full of Spoons. Rick Harper's documentary on the room. Oh my God. So good. Every week we tell you it's good because it's really fucking good. Go to roomfullofspoons.com. It's a documentary about the room. You've all seen the room by now. Tommy Wiseau's little weirdo masterpiece. Great fucking movie. Documentaries just as good, just as interesting, just as like uh, awesome. So you got to find out where it's going to be because it's he's touring. He's playing all over the world. It's like a touring film. It's they, like a roadshow type deal. And you got to request it in your, in your town or you got to see if it's playing near you. You got to check this fucker out. 
They just uh, showed it in Melbourne, uh, Australia. God damn. And they got a write-up, which the headline is one of the most comprehensive and insightful making of docs in recent memories. See, and that's exactly that's how... That's true. <laughs> it, it really is true, and that's exactly how I feel about it. It's damn near everybody who had anything to do with The Room is in this movie, and you find out stuff you, you can't find out about it anywhere else. Like, now we're like, because we've seen this movie, we're like experts on the movie The Room, you know? We know yeah. so much and we're talking <laughs> <Too to much. laughs> constantly talking to people that don't know jack shit about it because they haven't seen the documentary. So if you want to be a person in the know, you got to see this goddamn movie. And also minor key games, J. Kyle Pittman, David Pittman, good ass games. Do you play these, Jenna? Uh, <laughs> God damn it, Jenna. You got to play these goddamn games. They're you have really to find fun. time for games. What I, do you mean find? Make time for game. Don't <laughs> find true. it. Make it. I'm so busy, uh, you know, recording this podcast once a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't find the time. But uh, minorkeygames.com, Kyle and David make these awesome new, brand new video games that feel and look like old video games and of, of various eras, too. Like, not just, like, only 8-bit, 16-bit looking stuff, but, like, also, like, you know, GoldenEye era looking stuff. But, like you know, hyper real, like much better than that. But that version of, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I Because, you know, I have, despite the fact that I haven't played them, I do look on their website and I, I see them updates. Uh, I, I see them post updates uh, with screenshots and it always looks super cool. And from how you describe it, it sounds like something I'd really like. So yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal. If you're like me, stop being a slacker and go check it out. I say so. And uh, yeah, David Kyle Pittman, good men, good, uh, good product. So, uh, Buy one of their games. Usually they're on sale for like only like a buck or two. So uh, check that out. And also last but not least, but I'll say it least, uh, Jay Brunner. You know, I always make that joke. I love Jay Brunner. Jay Brunner is a, is a fascinating young man. And uh, let's uh, read a tweet from at Bobby Slow, which is his Twitter. Image of Paul Walker driving a car fast with a gorilla and Cecil the Lion in the back seat. They're all smiling. In the passenger seat is the new Ghostbusters movie because it's dead too. You see, he, he's he's topical. He's like surreal. <laughs> he's interesting. He's got a lot of Twitter followers, and he wants more. That's why he sponsors his podcast. So go check his tweets out if you like him. Follow him, or go like his Facebook group. Cows are the silent jury in the trial of mankind. Exactly, because it's true. You know what? Go just click that and just get lost in that. You know. <laughs> Jay Brunner, thank Get you. Lost in that. Thank you for your kind donation. Thank you to all our uh, Patreon supporters. If you want to support the show, go on to patreon.com slash smugfilm. Send us a dollar, send us five dollars, send us ten dollars. You get different rewards depending on what you uh, give us, but check it out. And uh, we really appreciate it because it helps us buy shitty cables that bust uh, while we're fucking recording and we have to fucking <laughs> twist around, you know? This place is always falling apart, but we we make do, and your your kind donation will help us. Uh, yeah, dollar is great. Yeah, dollar dollar is the shit. Yeah, don't don't feel bad if only you can if, if the, all you can give us is a dollar a month because that that goes a long way. Twelve bucks a year that's like two cables. You know, think about it that way. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your in advance of your kind donation, or thank you for your kind donation if you have donated. Uh, any final thoughts there, Jenna, before we skedaddle? 
I would say, you know, for a theater experience, uh, Film Forum recently had Robert Downey Sr. Uh, retrospective, and mm. I saw Chafed Elbows. Chafed Elbows? Which was fucking great. <laughs> like, I don't think I've seen that one is. Oh, man, it's really strange as to be expected it's basically about a guy who's in a romantic relationship with his mother but it kind of isn't but it has it's sort of shot like a la jetée jetée mm. you know that one where it's like photographs oh i have seen this one is yeah it's on the yeah. clip set yeah and that and it's funny like i didn't know anything about this movie going into it except that like i like robert downey senior and seeing i thought for a second maybe like it was being restored and they only had like no that's just how he made it (laughs) no like the whole movie is like that yeah it's just a fucking slideshow essentially because with little bits but apparently the cops kept busting it because there was a q a afterward and you know they even have in the in the credits you know special thanks for the cops for being a pain in the ass (laughs) basically but it's a it's actually laugh out loud funny and it's it holds up today it's very topical there's a lot of like references. And when did it come out? I want to say the 70s. Yeah. Maybe the 60s, but I think the 70s. And also, uh, it has, it stars Elsie Downey, uh, his wife at the time, who uh, is like fully pregnant with uh, Iron Man. There you go. <laughs> and she does all of the female characters in it. It's hmm. interesting. It's a funny, yeah, it's it was a, really cool. It's one of those oddball ones that you just kind of have to see because it's kind of inspiring. It's like, what we always talk about, get the, get the fucking movie done. Right. Just fucking make it. Just do it. And like, you're, you're, you're essentially watching this like pictures being cut between and it's like, yeah, but it's a fucking movie, you know, he finished it. it it's, it's inspiring. And it. it's like, there's something inherently funny about that, about somebody who's so reduced to like, you know, just having to fucking cut between pictures to make a movie. It, it's really interesting. It's really awesome. Um, it's like fucking, if you think your shit's low budget, ain't more low budget than this, man. <laughs> this actually had a pretty good budget and I was sitting there wondering where that all went. But uh, that's you know a good what? question. <laughs> that's a, probably a question we'll never get the a straight answer to. <laughs> but it was, it was actually really funny. It was really good. It was weird because it, once I got into the groove of it, I, I was laughing out loud. Well, it's like nowadays you can make that movie for like no money just with right. your iPhone, just taking pictures and cutting through it on like a free you know, NLE yeah, it's on a your vine. computer. Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> it's an hour long vine. <laughs> that's a really good point. It's like, it's definitely a predecessor and uh, worth checking out. It's amazing you got to see that on a big screen because I've only seen that on the Eclipse set of uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s stuff. Yeah, with him in person too. He's a tall guy. Awesome. <laughs> that's all, right. all I have to say about it. Very tall. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening and uh, see you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>